It's finally a new year. Some of us are diving in headfirst to set goals and make changes. Some dread the new year as a cliche time to set goals. And some are just breathing a gigantic sigh of relief that 2020 is over. (laughs) Today, Neil and I talk about what our personal experiences have been with goals and change and how to make sure change is coming from a good place, the kind that settles in and lasts and changes who you are, not just a few days or weeks of what you do. We discuss why it's vital to our happiness to progress in life and how to find the best source of inspiration for progression and growth. Okay, it's a new year. It's 2021. Yes. I'm with Neil. It's actually technically not 2021, but we are recording this for an episode in 2021. And we are going to talk about kind of some new beginnings and... I know that's the topic that everyone's, you know, that's probably the buzz. That's what everyone's talking about and thinking about in in a new year. And Neil and I spent a good amount of time this morning talking about what could we discuss that would have a positive impact on you, on, you know, whoever's listening to this. And we really felt like, you know, as we talked about goals and making improvements and whatever, we went back and forth about topics, you know, looking back and not dwelling on the past, but looking toward the future and trying to become better. And and a thought that kept coming to me that we talked a little bit about is divine discontent. And this is a topic that I was introduced to in our church's October of 2018 general conference by Michelle Craig. And I just love her talk so much on divine discontent. So basically the whole concept here is that we all are born with this innate desire to to want to improve and do better and be better and that that's not a bad thing. And sometimes ironically now like in pop culture I feel like sometimes the desire to be better or set goals or improve can kind of get a bad rap like oh yeah everyone says they're going to do new year's resolutions but own your truth be happy with where you are just be I don't know. You know what I mean? Um And I think that for me, I've had really good experiences with starting fresh and using the new year as a time to say, okay, where can I evaluate and where can I do better? And that's a divine principle that Neil and I live by with step 10. I'm going to let you share about your experiences on, you know, kind of doing like a regular inventory of your life and where you can be better and how that's affected you. Yeah, for me, I think the concept of an inventory, that's like obviously like in recovery, that's a big deal as you go through and you do these inventories, like in step four, you do a, you know, inventory of all of your wrongs and, and then, you know, times you acted right, if you're going off the ARP manual and then in 10, it's kind of like an ongoing inventory where each day you're thinking about, okay, how did my day go? Was there things that I needed to change or specifically if there's somebody that I need to make amends to and, and then taking care of that quickly and on the spot. But I think the idea I do, I mean, the new year's thing can be so cliche and like, for me, a lot of times I've run into problems where I've like built it up in such a way where I'm like, okay, here is my new map, my new me. I'm going to change 100 (laughs) things about myself and I'm going to be, you know, in awesome shape. I'm going to just, you know, do awesome with my work and business. And then I'm going to be awesome in all of these areas. And here's my map. And then, um, you know, 
it's the sustainability is there for, you know, maybe a week or a couple weeks or, you know, and then it slowly starts to taper off. But, um, but there's an ongoing, for me, making those adjustments. Yeah, and you asked me about recovery. Uh-huh. Um, in recovery, it really comes down to adjustment. It's just, it's more like minor tweaks. And it comes down to what I'm doing on a daily basis. So the action, the spiritual actions or, or physical actions, am I taking care of myself uh, mentally, emotionally? Am I taking care of my physical needs? Um, you know, am I, am I sleeping enough? Am I, so there is some physical things in there. And so it really, there's a word that we use in recovery that comes down to dailies, Mm -hmm. which is what are the daily actions that I take or need to take consistently in order to be in a good spot? Like little changes that add up to a big change. Yeah. And I found for me that there are very small things that I can do each day that have a monumental effect. So spiritually in particular, like prayer, prayer, uh, reading for me, the book of Mormon, um, I, part of my dailies is I'll reach out to another person in recovery and just kind of check in and just good, bad, or indifferent. Hey, this is where I'm at today. This is what I'm feeling. Um, and then physically, I think getting out and and doing some exercise of some sort and, and, and making sure I'm, I'm staying in check there. So, and then as needed, and what you were asking about is adjusting those and evaluating at different points when I need to make an adjustment on my dailies, depending on how things are going. If, if it's working and I'm feeling great, then it's cool. I just got to keep doing these things. But if it's like, man, I'm off and I just, I don't, you know, I need to make a change or I need to make an adjustment, I feel divine discontent, then Mm -hmm. there's probably something there that I need to adjust. So I've never asked you this, I don't think, on the podcast. And I don't know that we've ever even just discussed it, you and me in real life. But there were so many years that you were making an effort. It's not like you were just like, oh, well, I'm going to do what I want in your addiction and just kind of slothfully giving into that, at least not when I knew you. Um, but then there was definitely a turning point where you decided to change to like really make a change. So what was it that, you know, turned that little few degrees of a corner for you, or, or maybe it was a big turn, maybe it was 180 degrees or what, what made that big difference for you to finally say, okay, it's now it's really time for me to change. I think after like truly failing so many times or what I would see as failures. Like I, I really was trying and putting out every effort that I knew how to do Mm -hmm. and trying every little new trick and, you know, therapist recommendation and, you know, try this or try and exercise more or try and utilize this, uh, concept or belief or, um, you know, psychological principle or, you know, change the neural pathways in your brain by doing all this stuff that I kept trying, which is all of it's good. And all of it's are things that I, that I kept, you know, still do to this day. But at the core for me, the core is like, is surrendering to God and his plan for me. And which is like the atonement of Jesus Christ. Like if I don't get that one right, it doesn't Mm -hmm. matter how many, you know, cutesy things I have set up that, that are, you know, sound great. That's not going to, um, that's not going to work. So it's not going to get me anywhere. 
So the change for me finally came when I was trying, I really was trying to do everything that I could think of and, you know, meeting with therapists and I'd been in these meetings forever and heard tons of solution, but I still was not making it happen. So I finally, I think got to the point where I just threw out everything that I thought I knew and then re kind of hit the reset button as though I'd never heard anything before. Mm. And, and so I picked up the ARP manual and at that point I'm like, okay, I'm just going to walk through and literally just do whatever this thing says and just take direction, get a sponsor and whatever they say to do, I'm just going to do it and walk through it and take the approach that it's like, I, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. And I think that there's so much power in that. Okay. That's really, I mean, I've heard you say that before in meetings, but just in this really direct context, it's really interesting to hear you say that because I watched that firsthand and, and it was kind of amazing too. But for me, it was amazing for me to see, but for me also, I made a shift at that point where I was like, I'm not going to control your program anymore. I'm just going to focus on me. So for me, I think that that was a big change in my life where I stopped worrying about things that weren't my business and just worried about myself. And I think that can be really powerful too, like not trying to control other people in your life and just focusing on what do I need to do? What's in my lane? What is in my zone? you know, and not trying to fix other people's problems and just focusing on yourself can just bring about really miraculous change in my experience as well. Um, so I want to read this part of Michelle Craig's talk about divine discontent. She says, each of us, if we are honest, fills a gap between where and who we are and where and who we want to become. We yearn for greater personal capacity. We have these feelings because we're daughters and sons of God born with the light of Christ, yet living in a fallen world. These feelings are God-given and create an urgency to act. And I love that she says that because it makes so much sense that, you know, we live here in this fallen world, in a world of imperfection, of hard, challenging things, of people being human. And yet each of us has this innate desire to do a little better, to be potential of who we were sent here to become. And so she goes on to say, we should welcome feelings of divine discontent that call us to a higher way while recognizing and avoiding Satan's counterfeit, paralyzing discouragement. This is a precious space into which Satan is all too eager to jump. We can choose to walk the higher path that leads us to seek for God and his peace and grace, which is like what you talked about. Or we can listen to Satan who bombards us with messages that we will never be enough, rich enough, smart enough, beautiful enough, anything enough. Our discontent can become divine or destructive. So what do you think about that coming from an addict's perspective and the different two different lanes that you've been in? That's a very significant thought, at least for me, because I, I, I think that like the addict way of thinking, like the remember, I, I think for me and what I've seen in meetings and whatnot is like the addiction is just the symptom of an underlying problem. Mm-hmm. And that symptom can come and it's like, maybe it's alcohol, maybe it's drugs, maybe it's pornography, maybe it's gambling, maybe it's overeating, whatever. That's, that's just the, that's the symptom. Um, that's what, that was what the solution was, or so we thought, but really there was like an underlying issue of, of, you know, different things or ways that you looked at the world. And so, trying to, I think one of the, the underlying issues of addiction for me is, is that 
gap is living in this space of like, this I'll never is be enough. All, or- yeah, this is the measuring stick of where I need to be per what the, you know, people around me or the community I'm in or whatever my perception of what they think it's it's all perceptions is which what's crazy because mm-hmm. it's not all times it's not even real but it's like okay i think this is where i should be based on my age my demographic i should be at this point financially in my marriage in my family or i should be married or you know where, wherever it was i always find found myself in this space and it was just this frustration and and i think that's when it was a negative thing where it was like I think the adversary just totally plays off of that. And it's, it's just never ending. It just feels like, man, I'm, I'm never going to get there no matter what, you know, happens in my life. There's always a, like I achieve something and then it's like, well, great. I got this cool job and, you know, maybe I'm making, you know, better money, but now like, here's, there's the next level. Now, you know, here's the next expectation that I'm putting on myself and I'm, I'm never going to, never going to get there. It's never going to be enough. Um, and so you can live in that spot, but I think really with what I felt in trying to pursue a spiritual course and, and focusing on the things that truly matter at the core of like surrendering to God, his plan, his plan for me, then it becomes more of a, those things really don't matter. Like at the core, it's how do I feel about myself and God and, and having a confidence that I'm where I need to be. I'm pointed in the direction. It's more about what direction I'm pointed in, in the moment. Um, and I'm striving to maintain that direction. And, and then as a result of that progression happens naturally around me and I get what I need. And I go in a direction that is a lot cooler than what I had planned for myself. So true. Yeah. I really, really agree with that. And I think that, um, the the part that really popped out to me is the counterfeit, like avoiding Satan's counterfeit of paralyzing discouragement, because it really is interesting that Satan is so smart and tricky that he takes something really beautiful and meant for our progression and twists it just a little bit so that we feel like, oh, I'm not a good person. Like that instead of playing off those strengths and making them stronger, like anchoring, like, like a weight, like pulling them down and making them weaker and sink into despair instead, you know, and just how there's this, just this sliver of a differentiation between where you can go with that. If you can see like, you know, God's gifts and his, his ability to progress and choose progression as a gift, or just that like trap that Satan sets up for us, that it's like quicksand. Like you step into that and you're like, Oh, I'm, I'm not good enough. And I never will be. And all hope is lost. And it's so easy to fall into that trap. And I just, I don't know. I guess I feel like when I have chosen that more uh, God's path of becoming better, it's amazing to see how he can just take like a little effort and make it expand it and make it, you know, so much stronger than just my own little feeble effort. And I know that like the health industry and and all of that can also kind of get a bad rap. But like you're saying, I know that you and I have had so many discussions about this, that your health and wellness plays such a big part into your recovery. And for me, two years ago, after I'd had Millie, 
I decided in January of 2018, I was like, okay, I, or no, sorry, January, 2019, very beginning of 2019, I was like, I need a change. I need something that's going to help me just get on a better path of feeling better because I'm eating better and exercising and whatever. So that's when I picked up Clean Simple Eats and started that. And it just worked for me. It was like a great way to have my meals planned out for me and make sure that I was eating a healthy macro balanced diet. And it just worked really well. And it didn't feel like I was doing anything that was like off the plan, if you know what I mean. Like I was eating healthy foods, I was exercising more and just had more energy and felt better about myself. And um, there's a whole episode you could go back to and listen to with um, Erica and JJ from Clean Simple Eats. But my point with that is that that was such a positive experience for me, where I looked at a problem in my life where I felt like I was frustrated and felt that divine discontent of like, it doesn't make me feel good to eat crappy food because it's faster or more convenient or whatever. And I need something better. And I picked something that felt like it could be a good solution. And it was an awesome solution. Um, and, and yet I think there are other times where I've tried to do other things and, and it's in that kind of like negative motivation of like, oh, like I hate the way I look right now or this, I hate the way I feel. And I did this a few weeks ago where I was like, okay, I don't have time to do all the meal planning that Clean Simple Eats demands because we are in the middle of our crazy, crazy busy season. So I'm going to try this and, and know like if this has worked for you, great. But for me, this was my this was the process. Okay. So I was like, I'm going to try, um, intermittent fasting because that seems like just an easier way to kind of cheat the system and only eat during certain hours of the day, but it won't matter as much what I'm eating if I only eat from 11 AM to 7 PM. And again, this has worked really well for people I know and love. And, and if it works for you, that's great. But for me, it was kind of like a, I'm going to cheat doing the right things for my health by just eating in a certain window and eating whatever I want. And I felt kind of miserable after a while. I was like, ah, this doesn't feel right. It just feels like I'm starving myself in the mornings when I'm my body's hungry and I want to eat. So um, I am looking forward to using that instead of a negative spin, a positive spin and say, how can I treat my body better? I'm going to go back to clean, simple eats. I'm going to eat the healthy foods that will fuel my body in the right way and get more exercise into my system. And I know that that's going to produce a positive result in my life. So I, I've seen like the different ways of taking a problem in my life and, and how I can choose kind of the negative path and the shame and the like, I'm not good enough. And this, how can I just hurry and fix this versus the like, okay, it might take some work, but I'm going to choose the positive route. And, and when I've done that, it's had such a positive impact. And Sorry, one more example that I just thought of because I glanced over and I saw my scriptures. Another perfect example of like there were so many years in my life where I was like, oh, I'm not a good enough church member. If I was, I'd be reading my scriptures every day. I should read my scriptures. Okay, I should. Oh, I'm going to try to do this. Okay, you know, sticking them by my bedside and being like, okay, every day I'm going to read at least a few verses, but kind of feeling that shameful, like I'm not good enough. I should be doing this. What's my problem? Why can't I be a good you know, faith filled person who believes in the scriptures more and scriptures just aren't my thing, but I'm going to try. And I kind of have that like negative tone, you know, and I would try to read my scriptures. And it wasn't until we went to that, um, what was it called? Like at the youth 
it was like, like a, a book of Mormon, book of youth, Mormon conference. youth conference. Yeah. We were called to do that by our Bishop. And I heard these teenagers bearing testimony, like these burning testimonies that just made my heart burn and not, not heartburn, but like I could feel that burning in my bosom. And I was crying and just felt the spirit so strongly confirming to me. Yeah. What they're saying is total truth about the book of Mormon changing their lives and being this incredible guide for them. And I went home and said, I want that in a positive way. I want that connection with the book of Mormon. I want to feel that same way. And I know if these teenagers can do it, I can do it. And I was 28 and I cracked open the book of Mormon and started reading it. And it just, it just set on fire inside of me and changed my life. And once I unlocked that power of the Book of Mormon every day, I was like, I never want to live a day without this because it just supercharges my whole day with the Spirit and puts that into my life in a way that there's no other counterfeit. There's nothing else that brings the Spirit into my life for me personally, like reading the Book of Mormon every day. So now that I've had way too much time on the mic. What are some of your, do you have examples, Neil, of, you know, positive or negative ways that you've taken that divine discontent and applied it to your life? Yeah, there's a lot of a different example. I just, I just keep thinking as you're talking one thing, cause I've like for periods of different periods of my life, I've totally been like studied this and read different books and there's so much material out there. Like just, gobs and just ending unending material about whatever you want to change or how to change it or do this or you know fix your business or whatever like it can be just overwhelming and a lot of there's a lot of great things really really good things um but i think at the end of what i've what i found this is just for me and for me you know and, and maybe it applies i'm sure it actually it does apply it's it's principles of of the gospel but like focusing on the spiritual component, it's kind of like the scripture, seek you first the kingdom of God and mm -hmm. his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. If I prioritize that and I set the spiritual connection at the top of the list between me and God and have that moment of connection, everything else will fall into place. Like so I'll get true. the revelation, the direction on how to handle whatever, how to handle work or business or how to handle relationships with my family, how to take care of myself physically, um, how to, you know, gain answers to, you know, different parts of my life. And then like these, you know, then the divine discontent comes in in a positive way to where it's like, it's not this negative, like, oh, like, you know, I find like a lot of that negative self-talk of like, I'm, you know, I'm such a piece of trash and I just need to get up off my butt and do something. It's not like that. It's like, man, I, I know I want to be better mm -hmm. and I can feel that God knows that I, I, I'm, can be better. Like I have the potential to do something or be something great and I feel it. And that, that's what drives true positive change and, and changes nature. And there's actually a quote, if I can drop a quote, if you're all right with me. Of course. Um, that I really, really love. And there's a, there's, it just reminds me of a, of this gal in meetings. She used to always quote this whenever we were on a certain step. It's actually in step six in the manual. So um, good. I think of the same girl too, every time. And while you're looking that up, I'll give the context behind this girl. I have never seen someone so high at a meeting before. 
as and I've seen a lot of people who are high or or yeah, drunk you know, or they yep. come in loaded. Yep. Lots of loaded people who walk into 12-step meetings, which is awesome. Like at least they're coming and they're looking for solution and they're they're willing to come, you know, loaded or whatever on on their drug of choice. But this girl was next level. Like I used to just look at her. It freaked me out the first time I saw her. I was like, wow, I've never seen someone so high. She was shaking and just looked like she was on death's doorstep the first couple of times I saw her at a meeting. And she was living on the streets in LA doing hard drugs. And then she started to come to meetings and this, this girl just turned her life around and went from someone who was doing hard drugs, living on the streets, homeless to clean her life up. Um, went to Brigham Young University, you know, private university owned by a church, got a degree there, ended up getting married in the temple and just totally, completely turned her life around. And if you didn't know her backstory, you would never believe that that's where she started out when, at least when I first saw her. such a powerful story and example of like what's possible when you just surrender and turn it over to the Lord. And, but it's just so funny. She would drop this, like so frequently that like, we would say this girl's name and we're like, Oh, it's the, you know, so-and-so that's quote, her quote. that's yeah. hers quote. And everyone who <laughs> in, in the meeting would be like, Oh yeah, but it's so powerful. And I, and she was a living example of this. So this is from president, uh, one of the leaders of our church, um, you know, back in, I think in the eighties, uh, Ezra Taft Benson, he says, uh, the Lord works from the inside out. The world works from the outside in. The world would take people out of the slums. Christ takes the slums out of people, and they take themselves out of the slums. The world would mold men by changing their environment. Christ changes men who then change their environment. The world would shape human behavior, but Christ can change human nature. May we be convinced that Jesus is the Christ, choose to follow him, be changed for him, captained by him, consumed in him, and born again. I love that because that's so true. Like, again, there's so much information of changing your environment, changing something in what you're doing each day, like kind of outside in, or like there's there's these narratives that that I can get caught in, or I hear other people get caught in of like, man, if I just had this, if I just had some external thing to, I would feel better. If I lived in this, you know, situation or this house, or I had this job, or I had this type of a life, that external would would fill this void inside of me. But what this quote is saying, and why I love it, is it's like God, you know, and Jesus Christ work from the inside out and make those changes spiritually, and then we in turn have the motivation and the driving force with God's help through the grace of Christ to make these massive life changing changes um, to better ourselves. And I think that, again, it comes to that, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all of these external things will be added unto you. And that's kind of what I've seen in my life. I, I, I really don't feel personally that I've been that successful at changing like external things in my life and making all these great things happen. When I have seen success, I feel like it's because of that formula of turning to God seeking his help, his strength, his grace, 
and then the getting the revelation and then in turn because of that then all of these great you know things would happen or I would find success in some area mm-hmm. I so agree with that and that I just totally was feeling the spirit when you read um that girl's quote it's so good and it made me think of it one that came from this talk, Divine Discontent from C.S. Lewis, who so many of us love. I love this imagery. So try to imagine this as I read this. So imagine yourself as a living house. God comes in to rebuild that house. At first, perhaps you can understand what he is doing. He's getting the drains right and stopping the leaks in the roof and so on. You knew that those jobs needed doing, and so you are not surprised. But presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abominably. You see, he's building quite a different house from the one you thought of. You thought you were being made into a decent little cottage, but he is building a palace. He intends to come and live in it himself. That is, I, I've heard someone quote that. One, one of my friends has quoted that a few times in meetings, and I, I just absolutely love that quote and that concept. That just makes so much sense to me because oftentimes I can't see it. Even now in my life, there are things that I'm like, I like, what's going on? Why did that wall get taken out in the, you know, in my, my little house that's being built here? Like, why did this whole wing just get demolished, you know, and, it, and it's painful and it's frustrating. And it's like, you know, I've, I've had these experiences in my life where I felt like it, major worthy goals that, that I would have thought were awesome completely just went sideways or got demolished. But then what I've seen is there's like a whole new structure being built. I'm like, okay, it's not just some little, like I had an idea for like a cool little cottage and God is building like this mansion, you know, beachfront mansion in my life <laughs> that I never even I hope it's beachfront. dreamed of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There, there I go again, trying to like manipulate the, the plan and, and impose my own plan of salvation. Like, Hey, Thanks for the mansion. Can it? Can you put that on the beach for me, please? It's... Specifically, maybe Cotton Point or down in. <laughs> yeah, I, I could name a few areas. Maybe here, and that's my problem. I have to work on this constantly to like keep that at bay of like imposing my will on God's. And and it and a lot of this thinking flies in the face of like a lot of the motivational material out there, which is like, Hey, carve your own path. You, you are the man, like you decide what you want and you'll get it. I think obviously I believe in goal setting principles and that you do need to set goals and be very clear about those and and actionable items. I just think that in my own life, I've like abused that process and kind of treated it as like a genie in the lamp and like, okay, I want this and I want that. And, and, and edged God out of it as a result of my own edged got out, which is ego, mm -hmm. uh, my own selfish desires. So do you want to hear my process and goal setting? I would love to, because you're a phenomenal person that can have this magical ability that you can decide something and just autumn, just do it like flip a switch. I, I admittedly, it takes me like, it's like turning around a cruise ship. Like it takes me for freaking ever. That's not what I meant, but, um, thank you for that. That's nice of you. I, what I meant though was, or what I was thinking of is it has been interesting to me to see that this has been my process. And I'm not saying that this is perfect or this is right. It's just how it's happened for me. I kind of have a little bit of a hybrid between what you're talking about on both ends where I do love to sit down and set goals and set intentions and write things down. But usually 
I write them down and then I forget about them. And, and that is just my process of, I put my head down, I go to work and I try to just put my best effort forth every single day. But periodically, usually at least once a year, you know, at the beginning of a year, but sometimes other random times where I've been in a class or taken a seminar or whatever, I've written down intentions and goals. And then oftentimes I just, they're in some random notebook. And you know me, I have like a million notebooks floating around this house. But what's interesting is I'll typically, I'll find that notebook, like I'll stumble upon it a year later or five years later or whatever. And oftentimes the things that I've written down as intentions have come to life. And it's amazing to me that those things have happened in that way where I think there's something to me. And again, just my own experience. I think there's something magical about writing it down and setting the intention, but then not necessarily obsessing about it. Just like putting your best foot forward and going to work. And I think also a huge, huge key component, which you were tapping into a second ago of success is letting the Lord be the cruise director, letting him be the, the master builder, you know, and not being like, okay, and I'd like it on the beach and I'd like it to have this facing window and I need this color of interior, blah, blah, blah. You just let him build, you let him be the planner and then you just show up and you build every day according to whatever his direction is that day. Um, and I have seen this so powerfully in my life and in big ways and in small ways, like moving down here, totally not in our plan. And we have podcasts about that too, about, you know, how, like making the decision of where to move and how our career paths, you know, kind of converged and we ended up working together and what we've been able to do. All of that was because we let God be the, the architect basically. And then we're just the builders. And we just showed up and said, okay, what are we, what are we building today? What are we doing? Give us the plans, show us what to do. And, um, one more little piece of this talk that I love from Michelle Craig on divine discontent. She says, um, responding to discontent by resolving to follow promptings changes the way I think about my time. And I see people not as interruptions, but as the purpose of my life. And I love that too, because I feel like I'm, I need to improve on this. I am not very good at it, but when I do put the Lord's work first or his, specifically his promptings, like when I feel prompted to do something and, and we just do it or I just do it or whatever, I feel like he makes all the other puzzle pieces fall into place perfectly. And this happened just about a week ago where I felt really strongly that I was supposed to go run an errand for a friend. And I knew it was going to take up a majority of my day, but I, I went to bed thinking about her. I woke up in the morning thinking about her and it was like, God was just putting her on my mind. And I was like, she is my priority today and I need to do something for this person. And, uh, so we just did it. We like kind of just took the day and ran this errand and then you know, didn't hear anything back, which is totally fine. That wasn't the point, but then, um, just kept going about my day and everything that I was worried about getting done, like all fell into place. It was fine. And then later that afternoon, evening, that person texted me and, and it was very interesting running this errand. I felt really (laughs) directed about very silly things, like the specific things that I needed to pick up and include in this little package that of, things that I dropped off and, and for that friend to text back and say, 
I don't know how you did this, but you, you should have seen how empty my fridge was. And I specifically needed this item and I was specifically Googling for this item and, and that these exact things fell into place. And I just went to bed that night feeling so thankful that the spirit has this incredible ability to lead us and guide us to be each other's, um, you know, to be a per- that person's person for that day. And there have been so many times where that has happened to me, where someone else has done that for me. And I'm so grateful that they're living their life in a way where they're not looking at the time they have on this earth as me time. They're looking at it every day as, okay, God, what do you want me to do today? Where can I make my greatest contribution? And not that you need to wake up and just be obsessed with like, I'm not a good person unless I'm serving every single second of the day. But I think that if you will allow him, he will direct you to, okay, do this work task. Now this child needs attention. Now you need to pick up the phone and do this. Or maybe today you need to scrap all of your plans and go do this errand instead. And I love Thomas S. Monson's example that he sets where he, that was like his life mission where he decided I'm going to be on the Lord's errand. And I, it just always is like, kind of breaks my heart a little to hear him say, I wanted the Lord to know that if he needed an errand run, that Tom Monson would run that errand. And, and like, I, there's always a little twinge of that, like divine discontent of, Oh, am I doing that enough? Like if Jesus was hanging out with me today, would he be proud of the way that I spent my day? Would he be like, man, I tried to give you a little nudge to go help that person or to go do this thing. And you kind of ignored it, you know, or would he be like, Hey, you know what? You took care of your family today. You took care of your own health. And then you also ran this errand that I needed you to run. And, and to me, it all converges into living the life that God intends you to live and giving up that pride and will of, no, this is my plan. No, this is what I'm supposed to be. No, I don't get in my way because I'm going to be the best mom or I'm going to be the best provider or no, I need to win this contest or I need to feel like I'm, you know, chiseled at the gym or whatever. I don't know. I'm just like making things up, but, um, allowing God to direct your life, it's going to turn out so much better than whatever plans you have for yourself. Yes. I love the, if you got everything that you wanted, you would shortchange yourself for everything that God has in store for you. Um, I've that's, uh, heard that quoted in meetings many times. Um, but yeah, I, I just can't agree more with what you're saying. I think that, you know, I do absolutely believe in that process of, of, you know, setting out clear goals and, um, you know, there's different ways of saying, talking about that process. There's, you know, some talk about like manifesting or, you know, there's that whole concept or goal setting or resolutions or whatever, you're, you know, obviously there's work involved, <clears throat> but I think I've, I've learned in my own life, I have to balance that with like at the end of the day, not letting those override my submission to God's will and and making that balance because then I do put myself in that realm of shortchanging myself for what God has in store for me if I'm not willing to listen and be open to what God would have me do and open to his will and aligning myself. And what I the the cool thing that I found is oftentimes the goals that I have personally will come to fruition through, you know, it's like that is 
God puts that in there. Like mm-hmm. I have one of my goals and one of my dreams is literally like we're living it. Like I for years mm-hmm. would be at work up in northern Utah and it'd be freezing cold, dead of winter, snowing, and I'd be in and and at a restaurant and they'd be showing these like surf videos. And I'm like, oh, while I'm waiting in line, I'm like, man, I just would love to live in Southern California. Like that is my dream. I just dreamed of that for years. Mm-hmm. Wasn't even on our radar. And then um, things just came about to to be now in that situation. And and that's not something that I put together. That That's, you know, I truly feel like God, in, you know, Included that he was the architect, and and so I do think that he knows how to make that happen and and answer those worthy desires, and we can we can put those out there and and but I think it's maintaining the balance between laying out our plan and desires and then being able to submit to God's will and do what He would have us do. So true. Um. Also, how about your your goal and desire to be a motivational speaker? Um, that's a whole nother story for a whole nother day. Um, but, but yeah, no, I, I think guess it's the story today, right now, look at what you're doing. Well, in a way I don't, I don't know. I, I think I, I originally set out to be, you know, something totally different, but, but after going through recovery and, working to like keep my own ego at bay. It's, it's very different. Um, but, but I guess, yeah, in a way, I, I, Neil's, I suppose that this would, Neil's I'm being not, his genuine humble self right I'm now, not but I'm trying I, to be like a motivational but, force. But I want you to realize right now that of all of the things you could do to spend your time professionally. Yeah. This is like probably the cool, like what, as far as what I could offer or help with, or experience wise or whatever. I don't know. Maybe I'm dodging your comment here. You kind of are, but it's okay. You're just being humble, but I just want you to realize that you set that intention early on in our marriage that you were like, I want to be um, like my chief aim in life would be a motivational speaker and a philanthropist. And yeah, actually that is true. Right now that is true. I did write that down. We have a biweekly pattern of being able to speak on things that help people to have a better life, which I think is a pretty great way to live. And even though we're not like making millions of dollars on the podcast, it's still such a cool way that we can hopefully inspire and motivate others for good. So there's one of your no, it is. Aims. It totally is. And then, you know, another, the philanthropy, like we're, we're certainly not at the point of being, you know, what the world might look at as philanthropists where you just have millions of dollars to throw around. But We have been blessed at different times where we have seen a surplus of money and been able to say, what can we do with this to contribute for good? And one specifically was a couple of Christmases ago where we had set aside, saved and set aside a certain amount of money to go on a Disney cruise. And I don't think we ever even shared this, but I'm feeling inspired to share it. We We had the money set aside to go on a Disney cruise and then I got pregnant with Millie. And so we had to cancel the cruise because of Zika virus. I mean, that was what my doctor strongly advised us to do. So they gave us all of our money back and it was sitting in the bank and there was an opportunity to, you know, figure out how much money we wanted to donate to um, Healing Waters, which was the project that we had kind of taken on that year as our big hero project for the holiday season. And we partnered with our church and went down and saw these people, met them, 
we were completely immersed in the reality of how many people don't have clean water. And we just prayed about it and looked at each other and said, we can fund almost an entire village for, you know, giving them clean water if we take the money that we were going to spend on the Disney cruise and give it to them instead. And that's what felt right. And that's what we did. And I just, so I look at what your chief aim in life was when we first got married, which was being a motivational speaker and being a philanthropist. Those were things that you kind of set out to be and maybe not in the way that you thought, but I feel like God has given us the opportunity to do kind of both of those things in a really cool way that maybe, you know, we probably would not have set out to do ourselves. No, no, I, no, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. And, and those things have come to fruition, but in a way that was the right way, I think that my original intention was, was different, but after God's way has been a lot cooler than my way. Um, but in no me by no means, like, let, let me be clear. Do I consider myself some like motivational force? I always think of the Chris Farley skit <laughs> where he's like a motivational speaker. He's like, you're going to be living in a van down by the river. Like I, I always think of that skit when I think of motivational speaker, but, but no, that is true. I, I think that God does it in a way that will be best for us to where we won't be consumed with ego or get ourselves into trouble that, we'll be able to spiritually progress and, and be blessed and not be ruined by, you know, whatever blessings, our own, pursuits our, own our own successes, success, if we yeah. were to have those things. Cause I think that that easily can happen where it's like you, you get all these things that you want. And, and I think that it, if you're, if you're not aligned with God's will, I think it can be to your detriment. Final thoughts, Neil, and then I'll add that's, mine at the that's end. That's about it. At the end of the day, I think it is seeking the seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all those things are added unto you. And for me, the, the ongoing challenge uh, each day that I try and align my dailies in my life to to fall in line with is aligning myself with God's will to be able to do that and being willing to set aside what I think is best and in and put that on 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 the back burner in exchange for what I feel God would have me do or become. And when I do that, I find the greatest amount of success. And when I do the opposite, I try and drive my own, my own way and, and pull up my, my bootstraps and, and charge ahead and do what I think is best. Like I, I just run into brick walls left and right and I don't find success. Um, so that's kind of the formula that, that I've found in my life to, have any type of success. Well, my parting wisdom and words here would be that I think if you can imagine either your relationship, you know, with a parent who you feel loved by, or if you have children of your own, what do you want for them? You want the best for them, right? You want them to live these happy, fulfilled lives, but you might know what's better for them than they do, or they may know what's better for you than you did at a certain point in life, right? Like I'm pretty sure that our five-year-old Lila would love it if we handed her the car keys, but that would not be good for her at five years old. And we know, you know, the, the small and simple ways that she needs to progress and learn and grow and develop and and I want to see my kids seek after good, you know, positive goals and things that they want to achieve and work toward them. And 
and be motivated in a positive way. And I think that that's a very easy way to step back and look at Heavenly Father's plan for us and what he wants for us. And he can see, just like we can see for Lila so much better than she can see for herself, he can see for us so much better what he has in store, what we can possibly become. And I think it's great to set those intentions. And there are things that we know that are innate desires that are God given to become better. Just like my desire in 2021 to get back on track with eating healthier because I know it's going to make me have more energy and just feel better all around. And it's not a self-hate thing. It's a self-love thing. It's a positive motivation. It's a in the same way that I wake up every morning and say, I want to read the Book of Mormon because it makes me a happier person. It makes me a better mom. It makes me more connected to God. I want to eat better because it's going to give me more energy and I'll sleep better at night and I will not be tired and weary because I'm eating crappy food. Um, And that's not to say I'm not going to eat a chocolate chip cookie this weekend. But, you know, I think that when we choose those things that we know kind of deep down inside that we want to be better at, that God takes our littlest efforts and he makes them so much more. And if we can trust him to be the architect and let us be the builders and just show up every day ready to work hard and say, these are my intentions, but you're the architect and I'm the builder. So direct me and help me to know what to do. Then he will make our lives and our, he will make us the mansions that he wants us to be and that he wants to come live in. And, um, and so that is my last meaningful message for today. And I hope you enjoyed this and that you feel some positive motivation to make whatever change and whatever set, whatever intentions you have for this year in a positive way, because, you know, as God being the architect, he, he wants a beautiful mansion for you. He wants the best for you. So that's about all. Thanks, Thanks, you guys. Thanks so much for listening to Mint Arrow Messages. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Mint Arrow. Subscribe to our Apple Podcasts and rate and review us if you like us. And to get show notes, go to mintarrow.com slash podcast. And you can even sign up to get show notes emailed right to your inbox. And we'll email you every time there's a new episode.